Right, so this is a On The Road podcast. I'm here with PJ Lucy in Killarney, Ireland. Uh, he is not looking forward to this at all, but nope, we'll not see how this goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is Villaincast, Villaincast On The Road. I uh, expect more of these going forwards as I can convince Jim Holmes to talk to me. Um, convince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beg. Um, so yeah, we've uh, just done a seminar. You invited me over. We've, we met Wagren last year in Austria for the BJJ Globetrotters camp, but introduce yourself, please. This is SBG Kalani. It's right there in the name. Yeah, um, yeah so my name is PJ Lucy. Uh, I'm a black belt under coach John Kavanagh. I'm a black belt about two years. I'm training probably about 15 years. I, I say loosely training. I'm a, I'm a school teacher by trade, so I'm not a full-time uh, athlete or full-time coach, but I, I try to do my best. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's kind of how I started 15 years ago. So what got you into, just as an introduction, like what got you into Jiu-Jitsu then? Um, yeah, so I suppose first thing, I was, I've been doing martial arts pretty much since I was in my single digits. Um, I started off with you know, you know, traditional martial arts, taekwondo, that kind of stuff. And then I got into grappling. I was uh, did judo for about 10 years. And I, I snapped my ACL um, when I was uh, doing judo. Uh, I think it was like 18, 17, 18 years of age. And I kind of stopped doing the grappling for a while. And then I got back into combat sports then when I was roughly around 22, 23. I started doing Muay Thai kickboxing and of course in the clinch the judo started coming through and a buddy of mine, uh, uh, well, he wasn't my buddy at the time. We, he thought I was an arrogant prick um, when we first started off, but we eventually um, became buddies. Uh, at, you know, he was training as well with us and I ended up you know, meeting him just doing a bit of grappling and I was missing the grappling. I loved the grappling, and, but I didn't really want to you know, ruin my knee again. So I ended up um, seeing this jiu-jitsu stuff. So I was like, oh, it's on the ground. It can't be too bad for the knees. So we kind of started you know, YouTubing stuff, meeting up. Every Tuesday and Thursday in a, in a local gym, we kind of just threw in our five euros and we got the gym mat for an hour and just the two of us kind of experimented for a while. And then suddenly um, some gym rats poked in their heads, saw us and they're like, can we join you? And then suddenly there was two and then there was four and then there was five and then there was six. And that's kind of how it started. And um, there was a roughly about six or seven of us in the mat at one stage. And then we got kind of got uh, serious when we ended up having a... a, a Polish national level wrestler walked in one day and said, who's the coach? Those. Yeah, yeah, those guys. Vola, had those people <laughs> yeah. at some point. He goes, who's the coach? And there was no coach. We were just kind of, you know, fucking around. And uh, then he turned around and said, oh, okay, who's the best guy? And all the guys looked at me. And I, I wasn't really the best guy. I was just a good athlete. I wasn't necessarily a good jiu-jitsu guy. I was just a good athlete. So I was fast and strong for my size. So he was like, okay, let's go. And I, I was the small man with an ego, I was a 20, late 20s, still thought I was the man, and I was like, let's go. So he ragdolled me for about 40 minutes, and then I caught him in a guillotine in the last 40 minutes, and he tapped, and he got up, and he said, good, I will be around next week. And he came in, and he brought in a couple of his buddies, mm -hmm. and that's kind of how we started, and uh, everything was just YouTube, trial and error. Yeah. Um, we were like that for maybe about a year and a half, and um, the lads started looking to me to kind of orchestrate the, the training sessions and I did my best as I could. So I was YouTubing, YouTubing, YouTubing and uh, I would try to hit it in sparring rounds and if it didn't work, I wouldn't teach it. And then if I could hit it consistently in sparring, then I felt comfortable to teach it. Then that's kind of how we operated yeah. for a while. So that was it. And one of the lads, uh, Maresh, uh, 
good solid Polish guy as well, um, said, oh, we should fight in a tournament. And we ended up, um, there's not, not a whole lot of tournaments in Ireland at that stage. There was a tournament called Grab and Pull, terrible name. Um, so yeah, four I of us, that. you remember I that? Remember, I remember Grab and Pull. Yeah, yeah, early, early days. So we traveled over to England for, four of us went over not knowing the rule set, not mm -hmm. knowing anything. And um, this is the time when you kind of just showed up and they put your name on paper on, yeah. on the wall. Yeah. And uh, your weights were like, uh, you get yeah. away with weights. And um, the four of us went over. And I think we ended up in the intermediate bracket because Maresh didn't have really good English. Mm -hmm. So he saw inter and he thought it was introduction and he wretched right. us all for intermediate. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, that was kind of how we kind of got into it a little bit more serious after that then, yeah. I mean, those early days where you had, and I, I remember you'd rock up and you'd go, what weight are you? And then, then you just say, okay, we'll put you in this division then. You don't have that these days. No, no. Oh, God. No, you like, can't get away with that, no. I think it's stress. Stress and uh, uh, competition organizers the fuck out if they try to do that these days. Yeah. Let's have random people rocking up and saying, yeah, I'm this weight. I'm like, oh, I've got loads of 80 kilos <laughs> and nothing else. And even then, like the, the weight disparities was like, and there was one, the UMA, where I was like, uh, under 85, under 75, under 65, <laughs> like over 85, over 95, and that was it. You think, <laughs> that's a 10 kilo difference. Yeah, yeah. Especially like uh, percentage-wise, the difference between a, a 66 kilo and a 74 kilo, that's yeah, that's a dumb way of doing it. But I guess you just didn't have the people back then. Um, yeah. I mean, this is like, you know, that's part of my geography sometimes. And this is my first proper trip to Ireland where I've, I've gone outside. Read Ireland, um, yeah. And... Killarney, you know, I had to look on the map to see where it was. Uh, I can't imagine there was much jujitsu down here when you started. Uh, it was nothing really. Um, like where we're, we're from, uh, Kerry. Kerry is, you know, it's uh, the king for GA football. So it's Gaelic football. It's a religion here. You yeah. know, it's run by the parish. Um, so it's a big, big deal. And to get anybody outside, to, any good athletes to get out of the football you know, seen and into something like this is extremely hard anyway. Yeah. Um, let alone like having somebody who's kind of like a full-time coach down here that, that wasn't heard of. Like when I started back in 2010, there was one black belt in the whole country. That was yeah. John Kavanagh. Yeah. And now obviously we've got a good plethora of uh, black belts, but like there was nobody really doing it massively here. We did, ha we did have MMA in a kind of in, in, in a, its infancy. Uh, there was a guy called Tom McGuire, mm. like, Tom is kind of the old stock OGs of the MMA scene. Like he was, like there's, I think there's videos of him training with Lyoto Vegeta in Black House back in the day. Yeah. Tom was kind of floating in and around uh, Killarney, but he, he kind of, he was doing his own thing. He was traveling all around and he'd come back and he'd do a little bit of a workshop here or do a little class here and stuff like that. Um, but because he was kind of doing his own thing, it was very hard to get anything established in Killarney. So I, I would try and train with him anytime he was around. And he's phenomenal. Like he's this quite stoic, you know, like you know, John Wayne, the quiet man. Yeah, he's yeah, that yeah. type of guy, you know, he's like under the radar, doesn't uh, promote himself at all. But um, I would have done a little bit of training with him. But as I said, he did his own stuff and I wanted a bit more consistency. So as I said, a couple of us came together, rented a, a gym hall for a while. There was a few mats in there and that's kind of how we started. Um, but now like it's, it's, you know, it's taken on. We've, we, we have now from Killarney, Sorry, from the Kerry region, I think we've got like five black belts really? in, in the Kerry region. Now we had uh, uh, Michal Prendergast, just got his black belts off Pedro yeah. Bessa there. Um, 
uh, over the weekend. So shout out to him. Uh, uh, so he's yeah. an, he's the I think he's the fifth one from Kerry, which is yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. From only having one in Ireland to having five in Kerry, which yeah. again our population is roughly about thirteen fourteen thousand. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it still boggles my mind. I mean, the only person near to me when I was starting was really Braulio. I think Neil Simkin may have just got his black belt, but it was just Braulio. And if it, what you were in Baja, you weren't you weren't learning anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, you had Carl Townswell up in Manchester, but it was kind of empty. Um, and that's, I think, one of the things that these days is that people kind of panic the idea of starting their own gym and trying to learn the way we did. Mm-hmm. Unless you're underneath a black belt in some way that you think, I can't start a gym, I need to go find a local gym. But uh, if you're in the arsehole of nowhere still, um, there's nothing wrong with, like I said, just get a few people together and be honest. Right? Mm-hmm. There's enough information out there you can easily start picking things up and just rolling. And fuck about and find out for long enough. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, and we all got, we all, we were all fine. We made it. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to the other side, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it took us a, long, a bit longer than some people these days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, having a black belt above you does help. But there's no reason you can't. Um, yeah. So you're on the John Cav over a bit further north than here. Uh, when did you start going up and meeting him? What was that kind of transition? Oh, yeah, so um, just after that grab and pull tournament, um, we ended up uh, four of us going in there. And as I said, we didn't really know the rule sets all that well. And Maresh's line was just fucking choke them out. That, yeah. was, that was it. That, you know, you, you win if you make them tap. So we were four, uh, four of us went. We ended up with three gold and a silver. Um, so we were delighted with ourselves. So we came back and I kind of was like, okay, we're actually not bad at this. Mm. So I typed in BJJ Ireland and John Cavanagh's name came up. And I had come back after the flight, wrecked tired, had a couple of lemonades. And I think it was like 12 o'clock at night, I, I, email, I saw an email at the bottom and I was like, I just cheekily yeah. sent an email going, hi John, um, my name is Sweetie Lucy. Uh, I have, I'm, I'm training down here in Clarny. We don't know what we're doing. Is there any books you'd recommend or DVDs we should be you know, buying and stuff like that just to try and help our progression? And that was fine. Didn't think any of us. And then I think it was like, the following day, midday, hey PJ, clear your schedule. I'll be down in two weeks. That's crazy. That was yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I actually genuinely didn't know who John Kavanaugh was. <laughs> yeah. I, he was just the first black belt, and I just took yeah. a chance. And I, it's just funny because like if I didn't, I don't know would I be a black belt now. I would, don't yeah, know yeah. if I would have had that guidance. Um, so yeah. So two weeks later, uh, he got off the train. There was probably five hundred people getting off the train. I genuinely didn't really know what he looked like. Yeah. I kind of had an a picture of him, but then I was like looking, looking, looking. I just saw the hand going up like this. I'm like, yeah. okay. Ah, the open shackles. Yeah, in the, the shackles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was it. And then uh, John, John came and he did a, a workshop with the guys. Um, I brought a couple of fellas from other gyms from Cork and Kerry and, and, and stuff like that. And there was, I think, there was about eighteen of us maybe at the at the workshop. And he did a workshop with us. And then I was like, okay, cool. And then he said, if you're ever up in Dublin, and of course I was up in Dublin the following month. And yeah, I was yeah. up in Dublin the following month and the following month. And and then he come down maybe four times the following year. He came down to it three or four yeah. times. And then um, he said, he offered me, uh, there was an SVG camp in Copenhagen. And he said, why not come over? There's a competition on there as well. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, let's do this. And it's kind of, where we kind of made our association. I got, as I said, I got my, my blue belt there with him. I didn't expect to be going. I was pretty much no gi for the most part, um, but I had a judo background, so I, I was used to wearing a gi. 
Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so I remember um, I was saying it to you last day, like the, towards the end of the camp, there was two whiteboards. And he was like, those of you who are competing in the competition, put your name on this board. Those of you who are coaches are putting you forward for grading, go on this board. So I went over to the competition, yeah. put my name down. He walked over and he just rubbed it out. I was like, what's this? And he goes, I'm putting you forward for the grading. I said, but I came for the competition. He was like, no. He said, you're, you're, it's, yeah. not, it's unfair for you to go in as a, as a white belt. Let's see how you do against yeah. the lads for the grading. So, yeah, I ended up, there was 25 going for the grading and two of us got it. And I was one of them. So that would have been the old, old, old CSA. Yeah, know? yeah. Christian's place. Yeah. 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 Which, again, it feels, it feels hilarious at times that uh, we, were calling, we were almost destined to always come across each other. Like you're, you're <laughs> tying into SBG and going to CSA years ago. And I must have gone literally maybe the following year or two years later because I think it was a new CSA. Obviously, Christian was still there mm. uh, before he, four globe trials really took off and before he disappeared off to the Caribbean. Um, <laughs> and it's the fact that, you know, you said that you, this is where you came across Preet, of all yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the happy Estonian. Um, who I am obviously under. Um, I mean, you said you used to go to Estonia as well for the SBG camps. Yeah, I, 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 um, I oh, again, I, I ended up in Tallinn with Priest and there was four of us over there and I think I had my blue belt at that stage. So I was a blue, uh, I got the blue belt in Copenhagen and then I think, I think, I, I think the Europeans was on after that and then a yeah. couple of months after that there was the, the, the Tallinn camp. So I ended up in Tallinn with three of the lads, and um, there was this, what I was told, funny Estonian, but by, <laughs> by Irish standards, I'm not too sure, but um, very stoic guy. And yeah, yeah, I ended up over there, and um, I'd been rolling a lot with uh, a lot of gyms at that stage. Um, I'd probably about two years under me at that stage, so I kind of thought I kind of knew a good bit about jiu-jitsu at this stage, two years in. Yeah. And then I went over there, and nobody was rolling right as far as I was concerned. Everything was just off or wrong and I was never content and happy with rolling with them. Yeah. It's just it was just a very, very different system. Um and I just every roll I felt off, which yeah. kind of infuriated me but also intrigued me. And then I got talking to Pre quite a bit and um I was like, I gotta get this guy over to Killarney. So I I've probably done maybe about eight sessions or eight workshops with Preet and I probably hosted him maybe two or three times myself. Mm. And um, yeah, so I suppose yeah, that kind of interconnective yeah, yeah. It was, it was yeah, always yeah. going to happen. It was always going to happen. Yeah. Um, so looking at your, your history then, you obviously you were very much a scrappy dog athlete kind of way of approaching jiu-jitsu. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You weren't really into the coaching, but how long have you been a school teacher for now? Uh, teaching 17 years, yeah. I'm, yeah, so that came in just before your jiu-jitsu then, essentially. Um, yeah, well, I was still kind of doing, like, the Muay Thai kickboxing and that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, but the pure jiu-jitsu, yeah, kind of came in uh, uh, you know, maybe two years later. Yeah. Um, going, I was starting to kind of, kind of get into MMA a little bit as well. Yeah. And um, that kind of, I got my full-time contract as a teacher roughly two years into teaching. And I was going in, like, parent-teaching meetings with like cuts down the side of my yeah. face, ears up to here, my teeth smashed, my nose broken. Um, wasn't a good look for teaching. So like, you know, parents coming up to me at parent-teacher meetings going, are you okay? Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you need to talk to, do, do we need yeah. to bring somebody? Um, so I kind of 
Yeah, I'm a fighter. You're obviously not very good. Blocking with my face. Yeah, that um, old method. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I was kind of getting strange looks uh, in my first couple of years inside the school. Now they don't bat an eye. Like, yeah. the kids don't bat an eye. The teachers don't bat an eye. I'd be coming in with, like, stitches. and yeah. So they don't bat an eye. But, yeah, I kind of, pure jiu-jitsu. I suppose when I did get my, my blue belts, John kind of took me aside and he says, I'm going to give you your blue. You don't technically deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you. And I was, I was like, okay, thanks. Mm. And he, he kind of said to me, he said, nobody could keep up with you. Nobody, could, you know, you were just fast, strong, agile, aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. And so the guys couldn't keep up with you. Um, but technically, you were not great. Yeah. Um, and I kind of took that to heart um, because I suppose first two or three years, I just trying to train hard. I was only training for myself. I wasn't training to teach anybody else. Yeah. I was just training for myself, competing quite a bit. And um, so I was in good shape and I thought that was enough for jujitsu. But obviously then when John kind of took me aside and he kind of, I think it was roughly around this, around that mark, he goes, when's the last time you tapped? And I proudly said, I've never tapped. Mm. And then he said, and you're leading a group of guys in Killarney. And I said like, yeah. And he was like, well, good fighter, shit coach. Yeah. That kind of dawned on me then that I kind of need to need to kind of expand on on what it means to be a coach. So yeah. I kind of changed the way I came I came came into the kind of jujitsu environments. So yeah, that's kind of what what happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's um. I mean, because you obviously came through in a way that you weren't maybe subjected to the usual BJJ coaching methods of the time, mm. like the usual warm up, sweet techniques, and a soda. Um, and you, had, you, know, you know, obviously had an actual teaching background compared to the vast majority of us who, yeah. who were just winging it at this point. Um, I'm still winging it as a school teacher too. I'm 17 years winging it. So <laughs> it's, winging it's working. It. It's working. Um, what did you find then that actually uh, helped you the most with, with transitioning into teaching jiu-jitsu like that you'd already learned from, from school it. life? I, yeah. well, I've got every range in the class. Yeah. I don't, I like a high academic and I've got kids who are struggling and stuff like that. And I've got everything in between and the same as on the mat. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Uh, like we talk about different methodologies to, to hit as many nails on the head in the classroom mm. environments. And it just kind of translated very, very well into a classroom or into a mat environment as well. Yeah. Cause we, we've got like outstanding athletes in our gym, like every other gym, but we've got people who might never have, you know, gotten off the couch and then suddenly coming into yeah. this environment. So like it was all trial and error. And I will say this, we had a very tough first five years. It, we weren't kind of uh, a club in, in the sense that like we had a hierarchy, everybody bumped. It wasn't kind of that. We were all coming in. I kind of led it, and, but we were all learning off each other. Mm. Like, um, so I don't, I, I don't use the phrase students, and I still don't. I have black belts, and I have white belts in my gym, to brown belts and black belts as well in my gym. They're not my students. They're my teammates because I genuinely couldn't have gotten to where I am without them. So like calling the students seems like a cop out. Yeah. So like when, when I'm teaching in my school, I kind of have to keep that in mind that like they need to teach, learn from each other as well in, in my yeah. classroom environment. So there's a lot of like um, talks about like restorative practice and reflective in a classroom environment that needs to be brought into the, into the mat environment as well. So we kind of preach that a lot in here. So like you yourself, you talked about debrief and communication after what's working, what's not working, what do I need to change or adjust? So you do that in a classroom. You have to like, yeah. you know, like I've got different curriculums for different kids um, to rather than them just sitting there looking at a, 
like a screen and they're just nodding. You kind of have to tailor it for them as well. So that's kind of what we tried to do. But the first five years I fought it. Yeah. I'd be honest. It was just a, a tough environment. It was kill or be killed in here because yeah. I thought that was the only way. But as I got better at teaching in the classroom, I kind of started applying that approach as well in, in the maths here as well. So it kind of seems to be doing okay. I think that was, I mean, it all sounds very similar to, to how it was when I started in Borsa, how it was by and large all over the place mm -hmm. because I think the UFC was very much becoming more relevant and prevalent. Um, mm -hmm. We were all watching it. We were all yeah, young yeah. guns. Uh, and it was those early days of the, the kind of tough boom era, like the transition into actually decent athletes when you just had tough nuts yeah, everywhere. Who, like Who could take a punch? Exactly. You had, you know, we were the era of Wanderlei Silva, Chuck Liddell. Haymaker guys. Exactly. People who just slug each other and just hope for the best. Um, and that was, I think, maybe fed into our understanding. I mean, you know, we had early, it was VH, early VHS copies onto YouTube where it was uh, Frank Shamrock or Baz Rutan. And you weren't going to learn much in the way of decent coaching technique and, and everything from watching that. It was just, oh, I need to be tougher. And we're all the same way. It was, um, we talked earlier and those, those first few years when I was coaching, it was a sense of, right, well, if you could survive, you're probably going to stay. If you get hurt, you're probably the same for you. And now it's, I mean, this, the whole conversation about ecological approach as well is, oh, you know, I, I hate the idea of, of brute forcing just one methodology to teach. You know, like you said, there's, there's high academics, there's people who struggle. The same in the gym, there's people who are going to learn more through active learning, but then you can try and brute force that on someone else and then they're not going to get it. You, know, you just have to handhold them a little bit more. And that's fine. You can't then just go, well, you're not getting at this method and like, fuck you. Like, no, I hate. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, and that's why, you know, I adopted that, that mantra of a coach is someone who gets on where they want to be when they cannot get there themselves. And it's your job. Vehicle. To, yeah. Find their way there. Help them get there. Uh, whatever means necessary. And it's broadening your horizons to, to do that. Um, it sounds like you, you had a bit more of a, a violent transition there from being an athlete to that being a coach. And it's almost, almost like... Oh, I fought it. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I genuinely, I fought it to the nail. Like I, I, it's a completely different language. Yeah, I am. Um, I suppose I kind of, because I was a very, very competitive and I'm not a particularly big guy and I was in my 20s when I started this. I still had the kind of, I still have an ego. I'm not taking that <laughs> just because I'm a black belt. I've still got an ego. But the, the reality of it is I just wanted to decimate everybody that was on the mat. And it, it was a poor environment yeah. for the first, like maybe four years, I would say. And then kind of we, we started changing it. And, I, and I, we've had fellas who came in and we mightn't have been the most athletic and we would have probably killed them and you know, nailed them, nailed them, nailed them, nailed them. They never came back. Um, but like they could have potentially have gotten it, but I never yeah. gave them that opportunity. And that no. kind of irks me even still that, yeah. you know, like we, we, we were just a tough dozen guys in Killarney yeah. training. Not necessarily doing jiu-jitsu, we were just fighters, fight, that fight mentality was in us and we were yeah. just dogs. Um, but yeah, yeah, it irks me when I, when, I, when I think back of all the people that come, kind of come through our, our door looking to be a vehicle for whatever it would have been, whatever their goal is or the destination yeah. mightn't have been matching up with mine, but because I was only set my own destination, I for, forgot about everything else and those people yeah. now are gone from us. Now, a few of them have come back and they're like, oh, wow, this place has changed. Yeah. Like we feel like we're being valued or we feel like we actually can achieve what we want to. It might be the same as you, 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 and you, but we're still getting a value from what's happening on the mat. Yeah. 
I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the mantra of jujitsu is for everyone. Like, yeah, you can teach jujitsu to anyone-ish. But at the same time, it's, you've got to have a level of, of toughness to you. Resilience, I think. Yeah, yeah, resilience. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's making sure that you just don't break that initially. Like when someone comes in like, okay, yeah. You, you have to have build, some resilience build to survive this. Resilience. You don't necessarily, you don't have to have it born. You're not born with it. It's yeah, yeah, something yeah. that can be kind of built over time. Yeah. But if you smash just, it early on. Yeah. Do, yeah. And the, all those people we've lost over the years just because we were young, dumb, and angry, I guess. Um, and this is one of the interesting things now is like, because, you know, when we started talking last year in Heidelberg, I was like, well, you want to come out and do some seminars? Like, well, I'm not, I'm a school teacher. I'm like, yeah. if anything, that would make you better doing seminars than majority of people who do seminars because you can actually teach jujitsu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which kind of like makes me laugh because I was like, that's why I asked her. I was like, do I come out and do something? Like, you're already a teacher. Um, no, I'm just a school. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you started now doing some, you, you know, you've done the camps and you were asked to, to be a, uh, a coach at the Globetrotters camps. Um, cool. How did you find doing that for the first time in front of hundreds of people? Uh, the videos up on YouTube. Um, did you, how badly were you shitting your pants? I was, <laughs> I was, I was okay until the moment I said my first word. I was pretty cool. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, I know I have my structure in my head. I have my scheme. This, 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 this amount of time spent. So I had that and that gave me a little bit of comfort. And then uh, the cameraman came in. I was like, oh, what? It's being videotaped. Yeah. Um, now, I think I probably would have shit myself anyway without the videotape when I started. But um, I, 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 I even cringe at the opening line that I did and it's still there. You can watch oh, it. God. And I, just, I, was, I was cringing when I watch it now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I was sweating buckets. And it's visible. I think you can see me matted, yeah, yeah. matted here as the, the, and like I'm just demoing techniques. So it was just internals, you know, nerves and anxiety. But um, was that Wagrain first one? Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I, yeah. I as a, I went to Iceland as a as a normal yeah, as punter, a punter, and then and then I got invited, and again just didn't feel uh, the imposter syndrome. Like yeah. I, I had it as a black belt when I got my first black belt, and I was still kind of uncomfortable with the the, the, the belt around me. Um, but then that was heightened by the fact that now suddenly I'm an instructor on the glow shatters thing and I felt that imposter syndrome kind of creeping in all the time because there was other instructors sitting there watching me as well. That, yeah. Like, I was like, and I, you know what? And I, I, and when I did my, my bit and the camera was off me, I'd literally beelined it to one of the instructors and go, is that okay? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I had that kind of like, I did that stern nod from mm -hmm. priest or... I think it was uh, Alexander Newfang was there and he went, I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, keep going. <laughs> um, so that, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, I remember the first time I was ever asked, I, was, I just got my brown belt from Christian and um, he said, would you welcome to do a class in Heidelberg? And I was like, but I'd started at obviously Globetrotters as a white belt and I got all my belts through Globetrotters and then um, got my brown belt at Copenhagen 2017. He said, do you want to do the Heidelberg class? Like about a month later, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Like that's, I, I, you know, I've been teaching jujitsu now for the best part of seven years, and here I am just shitting myself. And you've got all these black belts watching you, see what you're doing, and there's a good. I mean, Wagwan's a smaller camp. But, yeah, it was a nice opener, but um, still, Heidelberg. There was a good 150 people there. I was like, the yeah. fuck am I doing? And I, I, even now, I think back to what I did, and I, I panicked and was just showing random shit. Eventually, I was like, I don't. Like, I kind of like mistimed it. 
And so I'd just turn around and be like, oh, you can do this as well. And then just move on to something else. And I was like, oh, I need to work on that craft. Um, I mean, now, luckily, like it's, it's been seven years of doing those, those camps and I'm, I'm feeling a bit more yeah, you're doing all right. comfortable in it yeah, yeah. and doing lots of seminars. But especially like, you know, when you know the room and you know your students or your, your teammates or yeah. uh, the people around you, you know their weaknesses and you know you need to help this person more, or, or et cetera. When you're trying to, to give random people who don't know their skill level uh, and you're trying to teach them something, and especially when you care about it. I mean, when, you know, Globetrotters, we do for free. Well, I do. I but, do too. I, I do too. Don't worry. We suddenly find that everyone else gets paid and we don't. Um, <laughs> it's hush, hush. Exactly. Um, yeah, being able to go into that and uh, you, you know, but all these other people are paying. And you think they're, they're here because they want to learn yeah, jiu-jitsu for a week. There's a bit of to that too, yeah. And they're, they're, you know, same with kind of any seminar. And you're, you want to deliver and you want to um, make sure they walk away with something. like You don't yeah, want to be... Value for money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, any, you know, anyone can show just a technique or three. But being able to have it so people walk out and they go, I learned something from that. And we care about it. We're, oh, we care uh, about uh, teaching. Yeah, if I, if I get a, like, like a small little reply afterwards on like yeah. a message uh, Instagram or something like that like oh my god I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to frame Post this it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh, one line that was a good class really really appreciate it oh that helped me with this and I'm like yes it's working like, thank you <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. yeah and it's but when you don't know those people and you're trying to and there's there's skill levels from I mean there's people go to camps and have done like three weeks of jiu-jitsu and then you've got black belts on the other side have done like oh, 15, 20 national years European champions and stuff and like, like that. how do I deliver to such a breadth of people and there's hundreds and we can't get around everyone mm-hmm. and you know, it's like right well this is this is where i have to find the craft what, what's the biggest number you've had in front of you about 250. <laughs> i'm not there yet <laughs> uh, I, um, I think my, my my biggest is like 90 i think so far yeah 250 was a bit yeah I was, uh, we all lined up afterwards and i was like that's a lot of people. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, 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 yeah, oh shaking that? all their hands, knowing yeah, yeah, despite yeah. their name. You know, you know when you had the little lineup and you all like shake your hands afterwards, you could have been there for the next hour just going around everyone. Yeah, <laughs> got to switch hands. There's like over a thousand handshakes going on. Um, I mean, that's going to be the thing now because you're you 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 entered into the Globetrotter scene, you entered into the camp scene. We did Munich together uh, back in October, the Artemis camp. Um, and now you're going to be going and doing actual seminars in places. I've seen you in Switzerland, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, uh, Basel MMA and uh, Newgard um, yeah. uh, invited me over, yeah. yeah. And then it's going to be transatlantic at some point. Uh, yeah, May, yeah. May, June, transatlantic. Yeah, that's going to be nuts. We're going to have a bit of a tour. So if, uh, if anyone's listening from America, uh, we're going to come visit. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about taking that craft on the road and... and <sighs> Okay, I, I that transition. The, the, I, like I'm, I'm, I'm. My kids are in their teens now, so I, I, I like they're not all grown up, but they're pretty close to it. So I have that little bit more freedom, and I probably would like to have taken those opportunities when I was younger, like everybody else. But I have those opportunities now, so I kind of you, you're forcing me out of my comfort zone. <laughs> I would say this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm and I'm grateful for it because like the glow shadows thing was such a, a massive eye opener to me um so i like i i've three globe trotters camps this year i've done one so i have two left but i've already got maybe half of the globe trotters i've got maybe 10 more foreign camps not nothing to do yeah. with inside of ireland which is phenomenal but the american camp yeah um 
yeah, I've never been to America, so it's kind of everything is going to be new and it is daunting. And we talked a little bit about like you know you're going to do the first you know hour and a half an hour. I'll do this. I'm the opening act. Yeah, you're the, you're the opening act. Yeah, 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 yeah. Start for me in course. We all know who Batman is in a way, but anyway, yeah. The, um, but yeah, I look, I, I'm, I'm loving the opportunity, and I am going to grab you know grab it with, uh, with both hands, and I do. F- I am starting to get a little bit more comfortable in that. Yeah. But there's a lot more comforts needed, I suppose, to, to make it into something that I I I would be um at ease with, I suppose. I mean and when we talked about the idea of like, you know, you have to kind of pinch yourself sometimes because we we both started off in, in a desert of jujitsu mm-hmm. where there was nothing around us and we had to go travelling to kinda of get anything. Um black belts were legends that you just oh, never yeah. saw. Yeah. Pedestal um, stuff. Exactly. And then going from, I mean, when we both worked onto the mats, neither of us had any idea where this could go. We just we just wanted to be violent with other people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I get that exact same feeling that, you know, sitting in Wagrain or sitting in the back end of Beyond, and you're just like, how the fuck did I end up here? And mm-hmm. like, it was one of the quotes from Christian back in 2013 camp, where he said that jujitsu is one of the best vehicles to see in the world. Mm-hmm. I think if you can, Especially at black, every belt, definitely. There's nothing more kind of inviting than a jiu-jitsu school sometimes. Sometimes they're going to be a bit off. Like there are certain yeah, affiliations yeah. that aren't as welcoming, shall we say. Yeah. Or um, there, there's rest- constraints on, yeah, on who can go where. showing up on their mats and um, stuff. Yeah. The vast majority of jiu-jitsu people will let you in. They just want to show you their, their town. They want to show you their area. I mean, you, Proud hosts. Yeah, they, yeah, you very kindly showed me around Kalani. I'm like, this is so beautiful. I'm definitely coming back here just on a holiday. Um, and yeah, you have to then think that you know, we were just scrappy kids, just wanted to hurt each other. And now we're about to go play in America. You're like, uh, that imposter syndrome definitely comes through because like, we never got big on the competition scene. You know, we had some success. Yeah. And, you know, we, we kind of know what we're talking about sometimes in jiu-jitsu, but it still boggles my mind. still boggles my mind that I'm sitting here in Kalani talking with yourself that we would have ne- never met in any lifetime. Yeah. And we're recording a, a, a freaking podcast that actually gets listened to. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. how the hell did we end up here? Um, and all uh, sharing the room in, in Heidelberg. That's kind of really where it kind of kicked off. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We yeah. talked a little bit in Wagrain, but then Heidelberg, uh, you know, Christian sorting out the hostel for us all. And we're just He's talking. Genius, and, I think with the, that room plan. Yeah. Rolling into each other and having a great time. Hey, <laughs> I, I had a great time. Yeah. You look kind of angry at the end. Yeah, of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Puzzle maker and puzzle. I, yeah, yeah. I, I do like a good puzzle, but I'm kind of, I kind of, um, maybe sometimes I'm like I'm 43, but 43 going on toddler. I kind of want yeah. my puzzle fixed sooner rather than later. So yeah. And if anything, you know, if this conversation had to have like a topic, I guess it's that kind of, you know, if you even if you're a, a when I say scrappy dog in the middle of nowhere, uh, there's definitely don't lose hope in jujitsu. Uh, there's there's it's a fun sport. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's not you know a lot of people hang their lives on it kind of thing, um, and like you know think it solves all of the life's problems. That's just a really fun sport. But if you can find a way of twisting it into this kind of travel vehicle, it's opened so many insane doors. Um, you know, it's, it's much wider than your own gym. Mm-hmm. And you can go in such fantastical places. And the simple idea that there's, I, mean, the, the, I think it's the second or third country that listens to this the most is Australia, which is nuts. There's people in Australia going to be hearing of you for the first time and you think, the fuck? Like, yeah, why? Yeah, yeah. Hey, the world. And I was just, you know, scrappy for kids from Kalani. 
um, boggles my mind. But I'm, uh, I said, May time, we'll go out and, and to the States and we'll, we'll have to like do almost like a behind the scenes footage of this kind of road trip kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Boys on tour. Yeah, yeah, so you can, you can, like PJ's first taste of America, you can see how it treats him. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I'll, you know, I'll, if there isn't a videographer, I'll record your class in, in Maine and know. I'll upload it as well. Um, no. But yeah, I'm really, really glad we met and I'm really excited to see. Uh, look, I, I, um, as you were talking about pinching yourself, yeah, I've like, from a couple of guys messing around paying five euros for mat space for an hour to yeah. now suddenly yeah. traveling to America, like you said, it, it didn't ever dawn on me. And as I said, I just wanted to compete in the early days. And yeah. then now suddenly the competition scene hasn't got as much of a draw as the traveling, seeing the world scene. For me, and I'll each their own, and that's fine. Yeah, but completely. Yeah, I just, um, yeah, it's 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 cool. Yeah, yeah. bring on twenty twenty four and see what what happens after that. Don't. I mean, there's a there's a brilliant documentary. I don't know if you've seen it called uh, Roll Jiu Jitsu in SoCal. It came out about 2014, 2015. Mm-hmm. Really good guy who did it from Sheffield. Uh, I think he was living in London at the time. But it was at the first Globetrotters camps. Um, and uh, there's a beginning quote from. The man on the wall there, Chris Halter, um, where he says, "Not who's good, it's who's left." And yeah, it's like it was a, you know, one of the most optimistic and positive people in jiu-jitsu, like yourself. Where yeah, if you just stick around long enough and you just enjoy the sport and don't get sucked into the nightmarish politics and bullshit that gyms mm-hmm. can kind of attract, and we both felt it, and we could have easily spoiled on this sport. Well, I, just... I, I, yeah, I, there was definitely times where like, I was like, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah, yeah. Like, why am I trying to keep this place open? Why am I trying to like, recover after? Yeah. When you're broken and there's yeah. only three of you on the mats, you think, what the fuck are we doing this for? Yeah. Like, this, is, this is dumb. Yeah. But you just hang around long enough and enjoy the game and remain positive. You end up doing dumb shit like this. And then you're off to America. You're off to America. <laughs> and further afield, Japan and the Far East, hopefully <laughs> by, by the end of the year, which is, that's even more insane. Um, no, thank you for hanging around after the seminar and, and having a little chat with me. It's oh, been no a lot problem. of fun. Thanks very much. And you thought this wasn't going to go anywhere. I, yeah, <laughs> I, look, I'm, I'm not a, that interesting, so I was like, why? Oh, completely. Why? Yeah. We managed to... Uh, we filled the hour or close to the hour anyway. No, absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you, thank sir. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks, Chris.